Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Eichel, owner and founder of Dreamer Productions and Sound and Marketing Learning. I create, consult, and educate brands and individuals on the power of sound in marketing. To learn more about sound and marketing, check out some great resources, take some courses, and join a cool community, go to soundinmarketing.com. If you're a brand that needs help navigating the sound space through research and or a consultancy, or you're looking to create sonic branding, go to dreamerproductions.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com. And let's chat. Now onto the show. For this season, I wanted to focus on definitions because if you don't fully understand the industry, it's harder to navigate it and harder to ultimately succeed. And that's why every episode will start with what is. Ideally, you can scroll through the episode titles and decide what specific voice topic you want to focus on for the next 15 or 20 minutes. Today, we will be discussing how the value of sound in your marketing can be measured with a very special guest, Damien Scragg of Veritonic. A marketing technology leader for over two decades, Damien leads all non-U.S. business and global brand sales for Veritonic, the analytics platform that brands use to know that their audio marketing resonates with consumers. He works closely with brands, agencies, and audio platforms to develop a data-first approach to their audio strategies. Welcome to the show, Damien. Thank you, Gina. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I kind of just wanted to start with an introduction to your company and what you do. Let's kind of define what measuring sound sounds like. Veritonic, we've built um, an, an, an audience, so an audio experience and effectiveness platform um, that, as you mentioned, helps brands know that their, their audio is going to resonate in the right way with their consumers. Um, in effect, what we're, what we're trying to do is, is allowing them to know what's going to work first before they then go and spend money on it. You know, it sounds kind of logical, but all too often, I think we see brands, you know, everyone's still learning audio, right? It's still relatively new for, for most people. And I think a lot of brands are putting things into the market, realizing that things aren't working particularly well, and then retroactively, you know, repairing it as, as sort of on the fly, as you, if you like. And that's not particularly logical. You know, you wouldn't do that in the visual branding space. You wouldn't do it in, in other forms of branding. And, and audio still seems to be the one where it's like, oh, that didn't quite work. Let's fix it. And actually, you can now fix it before it needs fixing, if that makes sense. How do you go about doing this? Is this a focus group? Is this um, uh, mechanically engineered analytics? How is it that you decide if something succeeds or it fails? Yeah, so good question. So we've been around for six years. So we've been doing this for quite a long time. And I suppose in audio terms, you know, in the space we're now in this audio technology terms, that's kind of a really long time now. Um, and there's, there are two components to it. There's a, an AI, a machine, what we call machine listening, a learning component. And then there's a human response component. And Fundamentally, the, the, the AI piece is built off of all of the human responses we've collected um, on behalf of our clients over the last six years. You know, we, we've collected their their feelings and emotions towards certain sounds, be that ads, sonic brands, music, voice, whatever it might be. We've collected so much data um, across so many different touch points and types of assets over that time that we're now able to accurate, accurately predict how that is likely to impact on an emotional level with consumers. And also other things that are important to brands, so such as um, levels of engagement, um, memorability, uh, the likelihood of it impacting purchase intent in a in a favorable way. And we also continue to do human response testing. So give our clients the platform to create very customized and specific um, 
tests to, to, to go out to, to consumers and actually have them listen to their assets via our platform, score it as they're listening to it. And then we collate all of that data and apply our kind of proprietary algorithms to it and, and generate what we call the Veritonic Audio Score, which is our kind of amalgamation of all of this data in one place, which enables our clients to benchmark their, their assets within a given test, within their own library of assets, but also benchmarking against their competitive sets to find out how good that asset really is. You know, it might be a good asset within your test, but actually if you're a CPG company, is it a good CPG ad? You know, because it might be great in your test, but a really bad ad compared to your nearest and dearest, um, or it might be much better. So we're providing that benchmarking layer as well. So you can truly compare what you think is great against what um, the consumers and what your competitors are doing. I think that's really key. Your your audio benchmarks that you've been putting out, I think that those are really crucial um, for what you just said, for different industries to take a look at, because you, you may say, well, they're retail and I'm restaurant. Like, what is this? How do I compare what sound I would use to a completely different industry. So as this goes on and on, um, you know, you'll have more information. And I think that that's, I feel like that's what might hold a lot of companies back from investing in something like this is just, well, where's the data, you know? So it's very helpful. Yeah. And I think, it will, look, I mean, audio, as you know, you know, better than anyone. I mean, audio is so subjective, right? Whether it's, you know, a sonic logo or branding or whether it's a piece of music, it's everyone's got their favorite. You know, you might have, you know, an Iron Maiden fan and a Taylor Swift fan in the same room. You can't convince either of them that their band or their singer is better than the other one. And neither, they're not, neither of them are wrong. They're, they're both right. You know, if you're, if you like heavy metal and rock, Iron Maiden's a great band. If you like, you know, pop music and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Taylor Swift's a, a great artist. And that's the beauty of audio, but it's the challenge that brands face. And I think so often the decisions that are made around audio are made by, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you have a group of people from marketing from the same company, maybe with a couple of, you know, their, their agency people in there as well. And they're kind of talking about, Oh, should we run this ad or this ad or should we use, this Beyonce track versus this Taylor Swift track or whatever this might be, you get that whole human element in there, which is good because they have experience of their brand. But the problem is people often can't, you know, you can't see beyond their own subjectivity and their gut feel. And ultimately it comes back to the loudest voice, the loudest voice in the room, which could or most likely be the CMO who says, well, I'm making the decision. We're going to go with this track, this ad, this, whatever it might be. And the problem with that is there's no data overlaid on it. And, and the data that, Veritonic would provide is that it's an it's just a layer on top. We're not saying remove your expertise. You know the, the branding experts and the music experts, just like you, understand music and sound and how it resonates with people. And we're not trying to take away from that and say we never say this is bad. You know this is a bad piece of music or bad creative. We say based on what you're trying to achieve, based on how you want your brand to sound, um, based on you know various other different elements, the data is telling us that this is going to be the top performing track. You may hate it, but your consumers are saying they love it. And you have to get your head into the mindset of the consumer rather than you personally. And that's how brands are going to start you know, avoiding these costly errors in the market. I think that's that you hit the nail on the head, just the, the separation of executive and brand. It's not about what the top person likes or we're just going to go with this. What is it that your brand is personifying? And it may be Iron Maiden, it may be Taylor Swift, but 
who knows? Like it's it's not up to that executive to decide. Yeah, and I think you know, I, I, you know, I know that Iron Maiden to Taylor Swift is a is a massive. No, it's a good example. It, it's a possibly a good example. I mean, it's probably more likely to be is it Beyonce or Taylor Swift, which is they're more akin to each other than those two. But I, I think you know, you might let go going back to the Iron Maiden thing. You might have the group of brand people and marketing people in the room, and you suggest Iron Maiden, and they may recoil and go, "Oh my goodness, you know, no way could we use that kind of music for this." But if your if your target audience is are the people that listen to Iron Maiden and you're trying to, you know, put this across, this, this, this idea across, they're the people that have to like it, not necessarily you. Because if you, if, if they're your core tar- tar- target audience, but to have broader appeal, you go with something like Taylor Swift, you're likely to alienate your core audience. Mm-hmm. And actually you should think about making sure that your core audience are going to be happy. And if you alienate the people that are the Taylor Swift fans in this example, that doesn't matter because they may not be going to buy from you in the first place. So I, th- I think you have to, you, you really have to take all of that into consideration. Like something like Walmart, for example, will have to go with a much broader appeal because they're, it's, you know, it's a bigger business. It's, you know, got a bigger target audience. Whereas somebody like, I don't know, Ferrari, much more niche, diff- completely different target. They have to treat their customers, ears and eyes and everything else very, very differently. So going down just this broad appeal of likability doesn't, make sense because you can't appeal to everyone and very few brands appeal to everybody you know whether you're apple or nike or just looking around the room here at different brands lego i mean it doesn't matter who you are you have different different appeal different target audience different brand personality and you really have to take that stuff in and and if you don't understand your brand you end up coming up with music and sound which doesn't match the rest of your visual identity and and you have this massive clash which is um Look, it, it can cost a huge amount of money and it, look, great companies fail all the time and, and it doesn't take much. So you need to be giving as much thought these days to how you sound um, as, as you do to how you physically look. Yeah, I, I think you, you also touched on something about um, it's not necessarily choosing the popular song because that audience may not even be looking for you. But it just made me think about how uh, marketing and adverti- marketing and advertising was um, even like before internet and stuff, it was this mass marketing. You were, you were hitting up a lot of people, just like flooding them with information and it didn't necessarily, it was not necessarily your audience, but it was just like this. I don't even know how to describe it, but we have the possibilities and the potentials now that I think people have discovered beyond sound where you can hyper target and wouldn't that be more effective anyways? It takes a little bit more work on the front end, but I believe it uh, returns much better. Hyper-targeting is, if you can get it right, you know, it, it, it's great, you, you know, and, and I think you're right, you know, in the in the past, you kind of would advertise in the middle of the TV program or the radio show that had roughly the kind of people, you know, you might, it might be later in the day, it might be early in the day, but roughly the group of people. But it's like, you know, you wouldn't put a Ferrari poster up in the middle of Times Square because that wouldn't make sense, you know, again, using that extreme example. And, and so no, hyper-targeting and micro-targeting is key. And, and there is the ability now with technology that you can pick out your, your niche audiences. You can pick out specific people based on what they're listening to, where they're listening to it. Even what, what's the weather doing in that location at the time, that ad might sound somewhat different to somebody in another part of the same country where it's sunny. Um, so, so those applications are great. And the technology is, is there. And obviously it's evolving all of the time, but, but even still, I still, you know, you're, when you think about sound and audio branding, 
the same theme has to still flow through. This is the thing. It's still, you, you still, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, but you wouldn't, you still wouldn't have, well, we can use Iron Maiden here and Taylor Swift here. You still need something along the same kind of theme. It may be just slightly subtly different. You know, you think about some of the big audio branding that's been happening, somebody like MasterCard, they have so many different variations. You know, they've got all the whole audio branding spectrum, even like a, a, a music single that that was in, you know, in the in the mm-hmm. music charts. But even their logo itself has got instrumentation for different parts of the world or during different religious festivals or at different times of the year, whatever it might be. So the instrumentation, you know, and I, I've heard several different variations. I've heard sitar versions for Diwali, for example. And, you know, just but, but the underlying, you know, the theme, the logo, the the concept of the brand stays the same and this is what all the brands are now starting to to aim for and then when you've got those elements that's when you can really start the hyper targeting and and get those you know it's still the same thing just sounds very you know very slightly different but you can you can adapt it by environment by channel by audience by or whatever you need to tune in next week for the conclusion to our conversation and don't forget to subscribe on all the major podcast channels share with friends follow and rate it spread the word because, well, more people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com or soundandmarketing.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.